Hello everybody, great to see you. Sorry I can't be with you this morning. Uh, thank you to those who are helping take this service. I hope you're having a great time in worship and I look forward to seeing you all this evening. Let's have a look at this passage together. I'd like to begin by giving you a little bit of science. Imagine that our whole solar system fitted onto this piece of paper. On here you have the sun and all the planets, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, all the way out to Neptune. If this was the scale of our solar system, where would the nearest star be? A metre away? The other side of the room? The garden? No. The nearest star to this piece of paper would be in Oban, 50 miles away. It takes over four years for the light from the nearest star to get to Earth. And that's just one star in billions of stars in the Milky Way. And our galaxy is just one galaxy in billions of galaxies in the universe. Our universe is vast and the distances involved are enormous. Now that piece of general knowledge is free for you. You can take it away. You can impress your family and friends with it. But why did I share it with you? I shared it with you because I want to make a point. Jesus is not a spaceman. In our reading today, we read of Jesus being taken up into heaven. But that does not mean that he rocketed up from the earth's surface, carried on past Mars, kept going past all the stars and galaxies until he reached the limits of the universe and then finally reached heaven. Jesus was not the first human being to visit outer space. Because heaven is not beyond our universe, billions and billions of miles away. Heaven is a whole lot closer than that. Let me put it another way. Many people, when they think of heaven, think of a place up in the sky, somewhere in the clouds or just beyond them. We often talk about looking up to heaven. But let's think about that for a moment. We know that the earth is round. So if heaven is up from us here on Isla, is it also up? from people in Australia? It can't possibly be both, can it? Do we have to look in different directions for heaven depending on where we are on the Earth's surface? Of course not. When we stop to think about it, heaven cannot possibly be a location within our own cosmos of space and time and matter. It cannot possibly be a place up in the sky or beyond the limits of the known universe. Heaven must be a lot closer than that. This story in Acts chapter 1 of Jesus being taken up into heaven makes us stop and think for a moment about what we believe about where and what heaven really is. Now this may make our heads spin for a while, but it's worth grappling with this issue. Because when we grasp the real truth we will uncover some very good news. Heaven is not as far away as we think it is. It is a whole lot closer than we might have assumed. 
In the Bible, there are two spheres of life, the heavens and the earth. The heavens are God's space where he dwells. The earth is ours. But here's the really important thing. These two spheres are not completely separate. They're not like these two oranges that cannot possibly be in the same place as each other at the same time. Heaven and earth overlap. The best way to think of heaven is as a fourth unseen dimension of earth, a deeper reality to our present existence. And all that really separates heaven from earth is a veil that at a moment's notice can be pulled back and one day will be removed in full. Do you remember how the Bible begins? At the opening of Genesis, heaven and earth are fully together. God and his people dwell in the same place, the Garden of Eden. And we read about how God enjoyed going for a walk with his people in the cool of the evening. But then everything goes wrong. Humans rebel, they eat the forbidden fruit, sin enters the world. And what happens next? They get cast out of the garden and to stop them getting back in, there's a cherubim with a flaming sword flashing back and forth. This was the veil coming down. And suddenly heaven and earth were separated. God could no longer fully be in the presence of his people because of their sin. But that did not mean that God was suddenly separated from his world, did it? As we read on in the Bible, God could still speak directly to his people. God could still stretch out his arm and make things happen. Ultimately, God could still step into earth from heaven as he did in the person of his son. God still sees everything that takes place on earth. He can still intervene. He is much closer than we could possibly imagine. Closer to us than our very own breathing. Are we beginning to get this? Heaven and earth are very, very close. Heaven is not up there or far away. It's right here. A fourth dimension to our current existence, hidden behind a veil because of our human sin. And it's only as we grasp this that we'll begin to understand what happens to Jesus in this story. Jesus did not fly out into outer space. He was not the first astronaut. Nor did he fly around in the Earth's atmosphere looking for heaven somewhere between here and Australia. Jesus swapped dimensions. He went from one side of the veil to the other. He went from Earth, our sphere of life, to heaven, God's sphere of life. Look carefully at the text in verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Notice it says cloud, not 
clouds. The writer is not thinking about the rain clouds that we see on Isla. Luke, the writer of Acts, is thinking of the cloud of God's glory. The cloud that so often in the Bible symbolised God's presence. This is the cloud that led the Israelites through the wilderness in Exodus. This is the cloud that fell on the temple when it was finished. This is the cloud that came down on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus dazzled in white. And Luke is bending over backwards to say, Jesus has not gone far. He's not left our universe. He's still here, just in a different dimension. He's now in God's sphere. And one day, he'll be back. Now, I know this can be difficult to grasp because we don't think about this enough. But I want to now tell us the very good news that comes from understanding this. I want us to answer two questions. Now that we understand heaven a little bit better, what does this story tell us about the Jesus who is now there? And second, how are we to respond in our lives to this story today? Let's start then with the question, what do we learn about Jesus from this story? This, of course, is always the most important question. The first thing that we learn from this story is that Jesus has been renewed. Over the last few weeks, we've been reading the accounts of Jesus' appearances after the resurrection. And we've discerned from the evidence presented to us that Jesus really did rise again from the dead. The resurrection was a literal historical fact, a truth that we can base our whole life upon. Yet over the last few weeks, Jesus' resurrection body has also puzzled us. At the very moment when Jesus was explaining to his disciples that he was not a ghost, and he did that by speaking to them and letting them touch him, and even by eating a piece of fish right there in front of them, he then went on and baffled the disciples by passing through a locked door. Now, the disciples did not know what to make of that any more than we do. They just recorded the events in the gospel as a factual account of what they witnessed. But when we get to the ascension, things start to make sense. When Jesus was resurrected three days after the cross... He wasn't just brought back to life. It wasn't as if the process of death was mystically reversed or that he was resuscitated in some way. When Jesus was resurrected, he was totally renewed. His very human body had been transformed and given an added dimension or to put it another way, his very human body had been made fit for the sphere of heaven. The risen Jesus was the first and so far only body that has been fit to live in both heaven and on earth. He is equally at home in either. Now, in the Roman Empire of the time, they used to believe that the emperor's souls travelled up to heaven to join the gods after their death. But take another look at this story. That's not what Luke says at all. 
Jesus's whole body was taken up to heaven. His whole body disappeared behind that veil that separates us from God. Because his whole body had been transformed and made ready for that transition. Jesus has been utterly renewed and his body is the prototype, the pioneer, if you like. His body is the first human body where heaven and earth have been joined together. And it's his renewed resurrection body that promises us our future existence because one day we will have the same body that he does. This leads me on to the second very important thing that we learn about Jesus in this story. He's not just renewed, he is returning. As the disciples stood bewildered at what they just witnessed, two angels turn up and give them a very clear message. Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is returning. This is the great promise of scripture. And the final book of the Bible, Revelation, tells us what that day will be like. The veil between heaven and earth will be removed once and for all. And God and humanity will live together as they did in the Garden of Eden. And Revelation tells us how glorious that day will be. There'll be no suffering, no crying, no pain anymore. There'll be no more night because we're going to live in the light of God's presence. Let's be really clear on this. The Christian hope is not that we're all going to be whisked away from the earth and live in a place called heaven. The Christian hope is that heaven is coming to earth. On the day when Christ returns and the veil is removed between the two dimensions, everything will be renewed. The world will be flooded in an instant with the glory of God. The whole of creation will be renewed and at the centre of it all will be the renewed Jesus Christ. Now, our loved ones of the faith who have died before us, they are currently safe in heaven. They are there with Jesus. But when Jesus returns, so will they. The veil will be lifted and they will walk on the renewed earth alongside all those who are still on, alive on the day when Christ returns. This is the Christian hope and nothing less. It's not just heaven but heaven on earth. Heaven and earth fused together. The paradise of Eden restored. And how is that possible? Because Jesus has dealt with all the sin that divided us from God on the cross. One day sin will be no more and we will enjoy eternity in our new resurrection bodies, our new renewed bodies by our Saviour's side. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it really hard to wait for the return of Jesus. I want heaven and earth to join together right now. I, I want eternity to begin and suffering to be no more. I don't want to wait any longer. 
But of course, that's a little selfish. The Bible tells us that Jesus is waiting until the very last person to believe has believed. Jesus has given the perfect length of time for people to come to faith. And that delay that frustrates me is allowing salvation for others. But there is good news. The ascension of Jesus that we read here in Acts chapter 1 tells me that while I wait, Jesus remains in control. In this story, Jesus ascends to sit on the throne by his father's side. And from that throne, Jesus reigns over all the world and all of history. And this is the third thing to learn from this story. Jesus is reigning. Now, to see this in the story, you need to know a little bit of the Old Testament. In the book of Daniel, there's a very important prophecy. In Daniel 7, we meet a figure in a vision called the Son of Man. And in the vision, the Son of Man suffers badly at the hands of a brutal empire on earth. But after he has suffered, he is raised up to God on a cloud and fully vindicated. God loves him. God's pleased with his witness. So God gives him the throne, an eternal throne that will reign over all things forevermore. And this is exactly what is fulfilled in Acts chapter 1. Jesus referred to himself by the title Son of Man more than any other. And Jesus did suffer at the hands of a brutal earthly empire, Rome. But the Father was pleased with him. So he raised him to life, raised him through a cloud, this story says, to sit on the throne of heaven. And that is where Jesus is right now, sitting on the throne of heaven. And that's why I began this sermon the way that I did, because I want us all to know that the throne of heaven is not very far away. It's not up in the clouds beyond the atmosphere of the earth. It's not billions of miles away on the edge of the known universe. Jesus is on the throne just behind the veil of our current existence. Jesus sees everything that takes place on earth. He is in touch with everything that takes place and he can step in and act whenever he needs to. And when we know that Jesus reigns on the throne of heaven, we can be assured that this earth of ours is only going in one direction. Jesus is in control and he will see to it that God's purposes get carried out. One day Jesus is returning. One day heaven and earth will come together and there is nothing that anyone can do about it. Not Putin, not nuclear weapons, not Islamic State, not man-made climate change. Nothing. Because Jesus reigns on a higher throne than all of them. He reigns on the throne of heaven, the throne of the greatest power. And it's a throne that is never far away. Yet still there is more good news to come from this story. Jesus is fully renewed, made fit for heaven on earth. Jesus is returning to bring heaven to earth. Jesus is reigning over all to make sure that that day does take place. And this story tells us 
that Jesus will release to us all that we need while we wait. There is a major reason why Jesus ascended into heaven that we've not mentioned yet. Jesus went to heaven so he could release the Holy Spirit, so he could send the Holy Spirit down to us. What was it that Jesus said in this story? The instruction came twice. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Because Jesus ascended back to his father, the Holy Spirit could descend. Because Jesus moved behind the veil in one direction, the Spirit could be sent out in the other. And this is the incredible thing. Jesus is not just present on earth in one place at one time as he was in the first century. He is now present in every place at the same time by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because heaven is not very far away, Jesus can see when every single one of us as human beings put our trust and our faith in him. And on that moment where we do that, he releases the Holy Spirit into our lives. And the Holy Spirit is to us what the, he, Jesus was to his disciples on earth. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit comforts us and guides us. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power we need to witness about Jesus to all that we meet. We will think more about the Holy Spirit next week when we think about Pentecost. But let's remember this today, that Jesus went to heaven so the Holy Spirit could be released to us. And that is a glorious thing. The Spirit will enable us to do all we need to until Jesus returns. So by getting our understanding of heaven right, how it's a fourth dimension to life on earth, how it's God's sphere only removed from our own by a, a slender veil, we've learned some amazing good news about Jesus. He's gone before us in the renewed body that one day we will have. He is returning. And when he does, heaven and earth are going to come together and suffering will be no more. He is reigning on heaven's throne while we wait. And he went to heaven to release the Holy Spirit so that he could be with us right now where we are supplying what we need. He's with us right now by his spirit. I very briefly want to close now with the secondary question that follows all that we've learned. How are we to respond? I think there are two ways. First, we are to pray. Did you notice that that was what the disciples did after Jesus had left them? They went to Jerusalem and devoted themselves to constant prayer. Jesus may no longer have been visible to them, but they knew he wasn't far away. From heaven, he could hear their prayers. From heaven, he was still close enough to answer. And you know, every time we have an answered prayer, every time we see a miracle, it's as if the veil between heaven and earth has been pulled back for a moment. We get a glimpse of God. We get a, we get a glimpse of what eternity is like. And we're reminded that Jesus is not very far away from us. 
and he's firmly on our side. So let's pray and pray and pray because it works. And it really does bring a small piece of heaven to earth. And second, we're to get on with the task that Christ has given us to be his witnesses right across the world. Let's leave church this morning and tell people about this glory of heaven coming to earth. Let's go from this place this morning and tell them about the risen and reigning King, Jesus Christ, who will make heaven on earth possible. And let's go in the power of the Spirit to witness to our faith and share the incredible good news that we have been thinking about. May God bless you all. See you soon.